Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Let's worship, shall we? Would you stand and sing with us? So good to see you as we gather to worship and welcome in the eighth month of the year. Mesa will meet at 4.30 this afternoon in the fellowship hall, and there will be a woman's retreat September 16th and 17th. For more information, contact Rebecca Sweet. Our communion offering for today benefits the Lydia Patterson Institute. The scripture reading this morning is Hebrew 11, 29 to 40. And it's on page uh, 1097 in your pew Bible. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, 
about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they may gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned, some, planned something better for us, so that only together with us would be made perfect. All right, let us pray. Loving God, we gather today to praise you, to tell you of your love, and to give you thanks. We thank you, especially this morning, for the blessings of liberty and the freedom to assemble and worship you, the only God. Open our hearts and our understanding today as we listen to and meditate upon your scripture. Teach us to walk in faith that your kingdom might be made known to all. Fill us with your love and grace as we celebrate communion this day. May we leave here reflecting your light. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Our first kids' party, I know I made a little announcement last week, but our first kids' party is August 14th. That is our version of like a kids' night out or a parents' night out, however you want to view it. So the parents can have a night off and the kids can go out and have fun with their friends. And we're moving them to Saturday, so it's actually on a date night for parents, which is awesome. And this first one's theme is going to be, I can't believe it's the first one of 2021 and it's August, but the theme is going to be living water. And we're going to focus on the idea that uh, through Christ we have everything we need. He gives us eternal life. And since it's going to be living water, we're going to play water games. We're going to be outside and we'll be doing sprinklers and water balloons and water gun fights. And the kids are just going to have an end of summer celebration. And so I hope anybody who has kiddos in their life that might need uh, time together to play and to to get that energy out before school starts, would like to join. It is free for fifth grade and below. And there are reservation slips out on the lobby. They used to be bulletin inserts, but I didn't want to chuck them at you guys as you came in today. So I decided to leave them out there. So if you'd like to register a child for that, um, please do so. You can just leave them in the, a stack out there. With that, we'll invite the kiddos forward for the children's sermon. All right. I know there's some kiddos out there, so I'm going to talk super loud so they can hear me. What do you think? No? Maybe they'll all hear me anyway. There's a lot of big kiddos out there, too. Kiddos at heart? I know a few of them out there. All right, so I have a question for you guys. Are you ready? Have you ever seen a giant? No? They're not real. Well, there was this guy on TV called Andre the Giant. Andre the Giant. He was pretty real. He was really big, wasn't he? He was pretty tall. I don't know how tall he was. Giants are real. That's just a term that we give to something that seems super big to us, right? So if we were alive during the dinosaurs, I'm pretty sure a lot of things might have seemed like a giant to us, right? There were a lot of creatures on earth that were bigger than us. If you've never been near an elephant and you just happen to pass by one walking around, it would seem like a giant to you, right? It would be super big. 
Are there other things in your life that could be a giant? What do you think? What, what else could be a giant? Sometimes people can seem super tall, so they can seem like giants, right? They're not actually giants. It's not a good thing to call a person a giant. But other things can seem like giants. What about something that seems so big you don't know how to handle it? Have you ever had a giant house? There are giant houses out there, aren't there? There's some really big ones. What about, have you ever had a problem that seemed so big that you couldn't handle it? No? You will in your life. Everybody's going to have problems in their lives that they're not quite equipped to handle. What about anybody out there? Has anybody ever been on a sports team and they had a competition or band? I know that too. And you have a competition and maybe, or a game, maybe that seems like a giant to you. You're just, you just don't know if you can handle it. You just don't know if you can do it. Maybe in school, you have a big test coming up in a subject that is hard for you, and it seems like a giant. Yes, you will be tested this year. You're in first grade, kid. It'll seem like a giant to you, right? Maybe it's something that you're, a skill you're trying to accomplish. You're trying to learn something new, and you just can't get it. It can seem like a giant. We face giants every single day. Did you guys know that? You will face giants every single day of your life. And there's actually this time in the Bible where somebody faced a giant. In fact, he wasn't a whole lot older than you guys. Have you heard of this story before? Yeah? Do you know who the giant was? Goliath. That's right. So there's this guy named Goliath in the Bible. He was part of an army that was the enemy of God's people, right? And they were trying to, they were trying to have a battle. But they had Goliath. God's people and their enemies, the Philistines, were having a battle. And the Philistines had Goliath. And because of Goliath, the Israelites were afraid to attack. He was this big guy. We're told that he was about nine feet tall. That's pretty tall, right? That seems super tall to me because I'm only five feet tall, so that's almost double me, right? That seems really big. And they were scared of him because he was tough. Nobody wanted to fight him. Until this little kid came in from the fields. He was a shepherd. He came in from watching a sheep to give his brothers some food. They were soldiers. And he sees this giant, and he finds out that everybody is scared of him. And he says, why? He's not so tough. I can fight him. Do you think you could do that? Yeah, you could? How would you fight the giant? No? A slingshot. Do you know how to use a slingshot? No, you don't, because you're not allowed to have one. Um, <laughs> but David, David did know how to use a slingshot, and that's why he wasn't scared. See, as a shepherd, he had to face giants all of the time. Now, they weren't big people, but they were big things, right? He, his job was to take care of his sheep. And when you're taking care of a flock of sheep, there are a lot of animals that eat sheep, a lot of animals out there. And it was his job to keep the sheep safe. So when an animal tried to attack his sheep, he had to protect them. If it was a wolf, if it was a bear, if it was a mountain lion, it was his job to protect him. And he would use his slingshot to get those animals away from his sheep. And he looked at the giant, he looked at Goliath, and he said, you're just like those animals I fought. I can do something about that. See, David trusted God fully trusted God. And when he stepped out onto that field to fight this giant, the giant laughed at him and said, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You don't even have a sword. How are you going to fight me? And David responded. He said, it doesn't matter what I do because the battle is God's. It's not mine. David trusted that God was going to give him the skills he needed to do it. 
He trusted in the skills that he had, and he used them. Because you know what? God has a plan for every person, every person ever in the world. And he gives us tools to help us through that plan. David knew that. David knew that he had the tools to defeat the giant, that he could use his slingshot and his skill at aiming to hit this giant. He was ready to use those skills. And before he walked on that battlefield, he made sure he was prepared. He grabbed the rocks he needed to use his slingshot. And then he trusted God. And what happened? What happened? He won, right? He knocked on Goliath and he won. He knocked on that big giant. So boys and girls, when you're going through your life and you see something that's a giant in your life, and there will be all sorts of them as you get older, all sorts of big things, big decisions you have to make, big problems you might have, big situations you might be in. I want you to remember that God has given you the skills to get through them. You have to trust him, and you have to be ready and willing to use your skills. And you know what? If you don't think you can, then you have to wait for him to send help another way. All right? Can we bow our heads, fold our hands, close our eyes? Let's say, dear God, we face giants still today, but we know you're with us, and the battle is yours. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to go to Spark Worship out the side door here. Good morning. It's good to see all of you here. On the, wow, this 1st of August. Wow, the eighth month. Wow, already. Well, well today we're going to start a several-week series on faith and the heroes and heroines of faith, or some of them. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna touch. I'm certainly not gonna touch on all of them. And besides that, some of them are sitting here that I'm that I'm not going to talk about that much. Maybe. So what is faith? We all know Hebrews 11:1, 1, right? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, not seen. I want to take us back further than that, and I think when we read today's passage, we'll see that David does as well. I believe the best place in the Bible to start when it comes to matters of our faith, um, and that's a good matter to come to, is Exodus chapter 20, verse 2 which says, I am the Lord your God. I brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And then verse 3, of course, says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Our problems really begin when we have other gods than God. And my experience is we all do it from time to time. And the ultimate goal of sanctification would be to never do that, to have another God other than God. Because again, reality is God and God's kingdom. That's reality. Everything else is fleeting. Everything else is passing. Everything else is temporary. And the Bible tells us about God and God's kingdom, as well as, tell, as, as well as teaching us 
a lot of history. In today's passage, we're going to read about David and Goliath. And that's a yawn probably, right? As they told me in seminary, the, the job of the seminary was to not produce boring preachers. So hopefully I won't be a boring preacher this morning. Goliath, as I'm sure the majority of you know, was a Philistine, right? A Philistine. Now, a lot of times we read in the Bible about conflicts that are had, and often those conflicts are between different tribes of Israel and different tribes of Judah, sadly enough, and also with the surrounding tribes, the Amorites, the Edomites, and the Moabites, and the termites, and, and, and all these other people that are around them. And many, many times those people, are, they're all related. They're all related, right? The Moabites are descended from Lot, right? Lot and Lot's daughter, as are the Ammonites. But the Philistines, Philistines, the Bible tells us, come from a different place altogether, in fact, there, there are places in the Bible where the Bible tells us that they came from Crete. And we know now that they came from other, other places up in what we would call Greece or Turkey um, before they got to Crete, and then they, they settled on the coastline, right? Gaza is a Philistine town. And the Gaza Strip is, you know, that we, we hear about these days. And often, the folks who want to chip away at the Bible and the truths that are in it say, well, you know, this, is, this, is, this stuff can't be backed up historically. Ah, that's where they're wrong, all right? In, just in 2016, so what, uh, roughly five years ago, in Ashkelon, which is another Philistine town, Ashkelon is a, uh, on the coast down there north of Gaza and west of Gath, all right? Gath is where Goliath came from. They found a, archaeologists found a cemetery there in 2016 that was a Philistine cemetery. Y'all can fact check me on this if you want to. And they established that just like the Bible said, the Philistines had come from Crete and that area there. Another famous Philistine, just for grins, so y'all would know, is Delilah, right? Remember Samson and Delilah? Well, she's a famous Philistine as well. Wow, there's a joke there too. What was it? Samson, I think it was, it's something like Samson killed however many Philistines with the jaw of an ass, right? And many, many preachers have killed many more than that. Right? So, anywho, today's scripture reading comes from 1 Samuel chapter 17. Consider the words of the Lord. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one's heart fail because of him. 
your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are just a boy, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father, and whenever a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went after it and struck it down, rescuing the lamb from its mouth. And if it turned against me, I would catch it by the jaw and strike it down and kill it. Your servant has killed both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, since he has defied the armies of the living God, David said. The Lord who saved me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will save me from the hand of this Philistine. So Saul said to David, Go, and may the Lord be with you. Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a bronze helmet on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. David strapped Saul's sword over the armor and he tried in vain to walk, for he was not used to them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I am not used to them. So David removed them. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the wadi and put them in his shepherd's bag in the pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. The Philistine came on and drew near David with his shield-bearer in front of him. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the wild animals of the field. But David said to the Philistine, You come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This very day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the Philistine army this very day to the birds of the air and to the wild animals of the earth so that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not save by sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. When the Philistine drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, slung it, and struck the Philistine on his forehead. 
The stones sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, striking down the Philistine and killing him. There was no sword in David's hand. The word of the Lord for the people, Lord. Please be in prayer with me and for me. Gracious and loving God, God who gives faith to all of us, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our salvation. Amen. Well, y'all know the story. David was out. David was out taking care of his sheep or his father's sheep, I should say. That's what the scripture says. They weren't David's sheep. They were Jesse's sheep. David's out taking care of Jesse's sheep. And Jesse says, hey, David, you know, three of your brothers there, Eliab, Amenadab, and Shammah, have been down there fighting those Philistines for days. They must be hungry. Why don't you take them some parched grain and some cheeses and some loaves of bread and check on them and see how they're doing, right? So David heads over there to the battle line, and he is flabbergasted at what he sees. He can't believe it. He's been told that now for 40 days, this Philistine, this giant, this guy that the Spurs would like to draft, right? He's nine feet tall, right? You know, he's nine feet tall. Actually, they wouldn't because I don't think he had very good vision. And, and he probably wasn't real coordinated. He was just big, and that scared people, right? It scares us a lot of times. We see big things and just get scared because something's big. Anyway, this nine-foot-tall Philistine, the Scripture tells us, for 40 days came out there morning and night and taunted the armies of Israel and said, you know, y'all just send somebody out here and kill me. I'll fight them one-on-one, -on -one, right, mano a mano. And if I kill your guy, y'all will be our slaves. If your guy kills our guy, we'll be your slaves, right? Simple proposition. David can't believe it. The fear says, Saul, the king, and all the army of Israel were literally shaking in their boots. They were afraid of this Philistine. And David, the words we, say, we see here are abbreviated, but from, from the reaction of Eliab, his brother, I think he probably said a little more than we see there. But in a nutshell, David said, I can't believe you guys. You know, what a bunch of wusses, right? He said, this guy comes out here, this uncircumcised Philistine, he says. What's he saying? He's saying, this guy doesn't have a covenant with the Lord God Almighty who made heaven and earth. He said, you guys have a covenant with God. What are you standing here afraid of? There's nothing to be afraid of. God will take care of you. God will do the deal. Well, here's the first lesson we learn about faith from David. 
you know, we are talking about faith for the next few weeks, and we want to learn some lessons from these heroes and heroines of faith as we go along. You talk about your faith, and you hold your brothers and sisters accountable for their faith. He says, look, we serve the living God. We have a covenant with the living God, and you're standing here afraid to go against these heathens, right? that don't have a covenant with God. And it says what? It says the words that, that David spoke were heard, and they went and told Saul about them. See, this is the other thing. We have faith, and we talk about our faith. Other people hear about it. Other people hear about it. Now, again, what's faith? It's trust in something we can't touch, and we can't see. That's what faith is. And David was reminding these folks, David was reminding these folks, you have a covenant. You can't see it. You can't touch it. But nevertheless, you have a very real covenant with the living God. And he goes and tells Saul, don't worry about it. Your servant will take care of of this Philistine. You know, I've killed bears, I've killed lions. This guy's just another animal, right? I mean, really, that's what David was saying. He's just another animal. He doesn't believe in God. He's no better than a bear or a lion. And I'll take care of him too. I'll take care of your light work, king, right? That's what he's saying. Because David knew, right? David knew that the battle belonged to the Lord right? The battle belonged to the Lord. David knew that God would take care of it, right? That God would take care of it. And faith knows that. He says, right? He says, God saved me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, and he will save me from this Philistine as well, right? This is the other thing we learn about faith from the heroes and heroines of faith. When we have faith and we exercise it, as David did, we get experience with our faith. David had experienced God's saving power already in his life, and he knew that God would take care of him. Can you imagine grabbing? I can, I can see grabbing a lion by the jaw, maybe, if it's a small lion. And I, <laughs> but a bear, wow. I mean, you're going to grab a bear by the jaw? I, yeah, yeah, I just think about that. But anyway, and here's the other thing. Here's another thing we learned from Heroes of Faith. Saul tried to help him out. Saul's intentions were good, right? And what good intentions paved the road to somewhere, I think. But uh, Saul's intentions were good. And he said, here, take my sword. And that's kind of an honor, honor thing, right? The king says, take my sword to go to battle and my stuff. You know, you, you see, originally David didn't refuse it at first. 
He refused it after he put it on and saw that if he took that stuff, he would be dead is what it would amount to. Often in our lives, we come across these giants, and we might have faith to start out. And sometimes the people in our lives who think they're helping us will say, well, why don't you just do this or why don't you just do that? And if we listen to them, sometimes our faith just sort of takes a back seat, takes a back seat. David knew better than that. He threw off that stuff. He said, I can't even move in these. He says, God has equipped me with certain talents and abilities. It'll be all right, right? It'll be all right. Just as God equips all of us with certain talents and abilities. David knew here, and the other thing he's teaching us, when you know, we talk about our experience builds up our faith and our reason. You know, David went through a reasoning process here too. Again, he said, you know, this guy with all this armor on, he's not near as agile as a lion or a bear. This will be easy to take care of compared to taking care of one of those lions or bears, right? David knew what Martin Luther knew. Martin Luther, this is, this is Martin Luther's definition of faith. Faith is a living, unshakable confidence in God's grace. That's what Martin Luther said faith was. And I think David would have agreed with that, would have agreed with that, and he knew it. The final thing I want us to think about this morning that we learned from David, a hero of faith, David reminds us that the Lord saves us, right? We don't save ourselves. Nobody else saves us. The Lord saves us. Is that when you have faith, faith gives you the confidence to take action, to take action. Did you see that? Did you see what it said? It said David quickly ran, right? Quickly ran to the line of battle. You know, talk about the element of surprise. I bet Goliath was shocked, right? So I bet his, his sword, I mean, his shield bearer was shocked as well, I would imagine. Think about that, right? This guy's nine feet tall. He's carrying a, a spear and a sword that I couldn't pick up. And most of us in here would certainly have a hard time with, I mean, I'm just talking about picking it up much less taking it by the handle and actually using it like a sword, right? And he's got somebody out in front of him with a shield. Wow, what a big bully coward, right? You, you think about it. So David runs up there, and he pulls a stone out, see? See, David used what God had made and what God equipped him with. God always gives us what we need if we're willing to take the action associated with it, right? David didn't need all those technological, as they were in those days, innovations and weapons of war. He needed a rock, right, and his sling. And he runs up there, 
And it says what? It says, David prevailed against the Philistine, and he didn't have a sword in his hand. Psalm 33, 17 says that a war horse is a vain thing to trust in, and that it can't deliver you, all right? It can't deliver you. Now, as we come to the table this morning, I want us to remember, I want us to remember Jesus, because that's what we're doing. We're doing this in remembrance of Jesus. And I want you to remember, I want you to remember that we all have a covenant, a better covenant than David had, which Jesus established in his blood. Now, everybody has faith, everybody. The academic question is, what do you have faith in, all right? That's the question. That's the question. Now, Mark chapter 2, there's a story that I've alluded to many times, and one of the reasons I allude to it, because I think it is such a great example of faith and how we should conduct our lives and what we could do if we were just willing to do it. But in Mark chapter 2, y'all remember there was the paralytic, and there was such a crowd around Jesus that they couldn't come through the door. So they went up on the roof and dug a hole in the roof, right? And lowered the paralytic down in front of Jesus. And in Mark chapter 2, I believe it's verse 12, it says what? It says, Jesus saw their faith. Wow. Jesus saw their faith. Even though you can't see faith, you can see faith. And we see faith when we see people acting it out in their lives. And when we act it out in our lives, it encourages other people to do the same and and to step up and to live the way that God wants us to live. So as you come to the table this morning, I want you to ask yourself a question. Does Jesus see your faith? I'll give you the answer. He sees your faith all the time. But again, what does he see that you have faith in?